Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Listen to what the Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 31. This is Jesus speaking, and in John 8, 31, the Bible says, Then said Jesus to the Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and we were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, You shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. Verse 36 says, If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled, Freedom Has a Cost. Say cost. Pray with me. God, thank you for this time together, Lord. I thank you for your word. God, I pray that today you would allow us to concentrate on hearing your voice. Father, I pray you'd speak to us from your word. God, I pray you'd anoint me to say the things that you'd have me to say. God, help us today to be and do all that you've called us to be and do. Lord, I thank you for each person who's come today. God, we've come with different sets of issues, different sets of problems, different burdens, different rejoicing different victories God I pray that today wherever we are on the mountain in the valley or somewhere in between God that you would speak to us mold us and shape us for your glory in Jesus name amen thinking about freedom thinking about the 4th of July obviously through all these empty seats we know some other people are out doing the 4th of July but the the July 4th is supposed to be a celebration of independence it's supposed to be a celebration of freedom it's supposed to be a time where we rejoice in our country and I want y'all to know if you haven't been around you haven't heard the speech you don't know I say it all the time I love America I, I don't I don't have time to listen to people belly aching about America I don't have time to listen to people belly aching about the problems in America. of course there are problems in America there's problems everywhere but I tell you what if you don't like the problems here go try the problem somewhere else I hear people complaining. I hear different groups. I'm not going to spend time on it a lot, but I hear the homosexuals, uh, LGBTQ, and Z community talking about how they're not respected and how they don't—they're not valued in America. Do you know anybody with those initials in Iran, Iraq, Pakistan, or any other country in in uh, Muslim land are executed? If, you, if you're found to be gay in any of those countries, they hang you. Now, I'm not saying how old gays ought to move to America, but I'm telling you America is better to people than any other place in the world. All these, uh, let me just say one more thing. Got a lot of women in here. Let's just get on everybody. When, women talking about we're not respected. We don't get equal pay. Surely there's some problems there. Surely there's some issues there. But do you know if you lived in another country, you'd be walking behind a man not even allowed to speak in the presence of other people? Listen, you want to see something shocking, go, go on the Internet and start Googling some of these uh, true videos. Now, some stuff on the Internet is false, but Google some of these true videos about how Islam treats women. 
And then you thank God to be a woman in America. We, we've got to understand that even though our country has problems, listen, this country was birthed in problems. This country was birthed in rebellion. This country used uh, stole land from Indians and used slaves to build the country. This country, it started with problems and it still got problems. But I want to tell you this, I'd rather live in America than any other place on the planet. I thank God for this country and the freedom that we have in this country. So, so I want you to realize that we have benefits living in America. If you talk about the problems all the time, you're going to become bitter and negative. But if you talk about the benefits, then you'll become positive and open your mind up for God to speak to you. Every year on the 4th of July, uh, we remember uh, this, this writing we call the Declaration of Independence, 241 years ago, and I want to read a little bit because I think this is just some of the greatest writing ever from the Declaration of Independence. It says, the unanimous declaration of 13 United States of America in Congress, July 4th, 1776. Anybody know how long that was? 241 years ago. What makes that interesting is no other country in the history of the world has ever been governed by one document for over 200 years. Every country has fallen. Every other country has been renamed. It's been re reconstituted. It's had to reform new governments. We've been governed by the same document for 241 years. And people say, well, Pastor, God wouldn't let America fall, would he? Sure. Yes. I'm looking for it. Why, why, why wouldn't he? I believe what Billy Graham's wife said. Well, now, I don't really believe what she said. I believe the intent of what she said when she said that if God doesn't judge America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, obviously, God doesn't have to apologize to anybody, but America is more sinful than Sodom and Gomorrah. America is more wicked than Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you know America leads the world in murder, in rape, in violent crime? America is a bad place in many in many ways when it, when it comes to sin, and we need to realize that, that, that God, if you're saved, if you love the Lord, if you got a Bible, if you ever read your Bible, if you ever say a prayer, you ought to thank God that you live in a country where you don't have to hide your Bible from the government. Listen to what it goes on to say. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary, this is so cool, listen, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. Here's what they said. We're leaving and we want to tell you why. They write this to England to let them know we're breaking loose with y'all. England has been governing these 13 colonies. England has been overlording. They've been taxing. They've been taking money. They've been applying hard le uh, levies on them. And they said, listen, it's time for us to separate. And when good people separate from people who they don't want to be part of anymore, it is the right thing to do to tell them why we're separating. And then it goes on to say, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their powers from the consent of the governed. Here's the last part I'm going to read to you. You need to hear it. That when any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. What they're saying is when the government's not ruling, not governing the people the way the people believe the government should be governing them, the people ought to rise up and start a new government. Now, I will say this. I love America, but I don't believe there are any patriots left in America. Because if there were real patriots left in America, we would already rose up and said, this government don't represent us, and we're pulling out. But the government now has tanks and armies. It's just, it ain't like, you know, we'll take some pitchforks and some knives and we'll overthrow the government. That's, that's a whole different ball of wax. But here's what happened 241 years ago. England was trying to overtax and put hard laws on people that didn't believe that they represented their best interests. So the United States decided in rebellion to break free from the authority that governed them. And every year for the last 241 years, America has been cursed with the spirit of independence. We teach our children that part of America, being in America is that we are independent, that we, we, we are self-governing, that we have freedom here. But listen, freedom run amok becomes problematic. Freedom run amok becomes problematic. Listen, you, you don't have to look any further than America's favorite pastime. NFL is the big king on the sports stage. And what happened to Colin Kaepernick when he chose to make freedom of expression his freedom right? And he sat through the Star Spangled Bell. He sat through the, na the national anthem, and he didn't stand up with the rest of his teammates. Look, that was his right. That's his freedom of expression. There was no gun to his head telling him he had to stand up. But guess what? He now has no job and no team will hire him. Why? Because your liberties can come at a cost. You don't believe me? You believe in freedom of speech? I'll take you some places downtown Jacksonville to certain words you can't say. You're free to use whatever language you want to, but you might get hit in the face. For your freedom can have a cost. You got all types of liberties, but you take your liberty too far, and you're going to have to pay some penalty. And I believe liberties have been taken too far. I, I believe that people have misconstrued and, and contrived the founding documents of America. Even now, a university in Kentucky was just forced to take down the cross off their chapel and all Bibles out of their chapel. Because there, there's a group of atheists campaigning across the nation demanding that every college that receives federal funding not prefer one religion over another. And they take every Christian form of anything out of every campus in America. And they're demanding that that's their right. And they're taking rights further than what they were intended to be taking. When, when the founding fathers of this country decided to keep the government out of the church, they weren't trying to destroy Christianity. They were trying to make sure that the government didn't destroy Christianity for them. But anyway, we have freedom. We celebrate freedom. Most people just really celebrate going to the beach or going to the lake or sleeping in. We can see that by the attendance here. But here's what 
this is all about from the beginning is to, when you're being bound by something that you want to let be set free from, you have to declare a separation. And you have to give the reasons why. And I want to talk to you about that concept today of declaring a separation and giving the reasons why. When the, the founding father said, if something is controlling me that prevents me from attaining my true happiness, it's my responsibility to initiate change. They could have stayed under England. They could have, we could still be a colony. If you look up the Queen of England, I mean, she's 922 years old. I already told y'all, I feel bad for Prince Philip. Prince Philip's got to be 115, and he's been waiting on her to die forever so he could be the king. Dean and I lived in England with small children. I went to kindergarten, first and second grade in England. People ask, where'd you get your accent? I tell them, well, I was born in California. Do I sound California? Oh, well, I went to grade school in England. It must be my British accent throwing you off. But anyway, when we were there in the 60s, the queen was the queen. And Prince Philip was waiting. He's been waiting in the 60s. He's been waiting in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010. This old lady's still living. They even thought over past Philip and, and said, well, his son's going to be the future king of England. Listen, this lady may never die. But if you study the queen and all of the countries that are under her overseership, you would be shocked. Out of 200 and something countries in, in the world, she got like 49 of them that she's the queen over. Every little island that you ever heard of is property of the queen. And this country of America was property of the queen until these guys said, ah, oh, we don't like y'all anymore. We're going to break free from y'all. And America continues to be plagued by that spirit. That's why people don't stay at a job like they used to. You don't like it? Rise up and quit. Go get you a new job. Listen, don't quit your job till you have another job. It's easier to get a job when you got a job. But we've got this, I'll take my ball and go play somewhere else mindset as Americans. We've got this, I don't need you mindset as Americans. We've got this, you can't tell me what to do because that's how we were founded. Whether you can't tell us what to do spirit. So we struggle with authority, we struggle with discipline, and without authority and discipline, we can't grow. Authority and discipline are given to us by God. The Bible says that all authority is instilled by God, and we're to respect kings, queens, leaders. We should pray for our president. Listen, everybody knows this this dude is off the chain, but it's our responsibility to pray for him. Whether you're a Trump fan, an Obama fan, a Hillary fan, a Bernie fan, whether you're a Bush fan, a Reagan fan, whether you're a Clinton fan, it, it doesn't matter who the president is. It's our job as Christians to pray for our leaders. Only in America can you stand up and say stuff about the president. If you stood up and said something about a dictator, go to North Korea and hold a sign in front of that dude. Like they hold signs in front. Like say the stuff about him that people said about President Obama. They will cut your head off. So these freedoms that we have, I believe, can go too far. These freedoms that we have, I believe, can cause us difficulty in following Christ. But I also believe what the founding fathers said, that when something's controlling you, that you know is wrong, it's your responsibility to initiate change. Patrick Henry made 
his famous statement on March 23rd, 1775, I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. We don't have a lot of people that are willing to fight for stuff anymore. People won't fight to stay in their marriage. They'll just break it off and go get a new one. People won't fight for their children. They'll just let them run wild without prayer. People won't fight for what's right. They'll just go somewhere else and try to make it work there. Listen, stop running from everything. Lock in and, and be a part of something and, and make it work. Make it better. You be what, what makes it better. When, when we talk about change, we need to understand change starts within. There's a lot of things that need to change in this country. We could talk about that forever. We could talk about racial disparity. We could talk about uh, gender disparity. We could talk about all different types of problems in America, and surely those need to be addressed, and there's a time and a place for all those things. But when it comes to real change, we have to start within. If you want to see something get better, you've got to get better. It makes people feel good to talk about how bad so-and-so is doing or how much they don't like such and such. Let me ask you this. How much do you like yourself? How good do you feel about your prayer life? How good do you feel about your Bible study knowledge? How good do you feel about your holiness? See, we don't like to talk about that because then, then, then the, the spotlight comes on us, and that's where it needs to be because we can't make Donald Trump do anything. Well, I mean, he's going to do what he's going to do. We got to do what we have to do. We need to be the people that God has called us to be, and we need to make sure that we are making the change that we can make. We can't change Washington. We, we vote on it every four years, and then it is what it is. But we can change us, and that's what we need to do. So my question to you today to start off is, are you willing to fight for the changes in you that God wants to see made? Or are you just going to accept what's wrong with you forever? Well, Pastor Scott, that's just how I am. I've always been this way. I was raised this way. Listen, God can give you strength to overcome your raising. God can give you strength to overcome the, the, the background that you have. I was raised to do so many things that were anti-Christian that God has overcome. I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know. God can change you no matter where you are. But freedom has a cost. Change is a battle. And you have to fight. For your change. We live in a free country now. I'm not going to talk a whole lot about the military because I know we got people in here that, that you know, are, are anti-everything. But it's not our national freedom I'm asking you to fight for today. It's our spiritual freedom. But I will say this. I support the military, the United States of America. No matter what. No matter what illegal war unjust war, no matter what, no matter what you want to call anything, when men and women put a uniform on, they just go and do what they're told to do. They, soldiers don't make these wars. Soldiers fight these wars and die in these wars because that's what they're told to do. So don't ever be mad at the military. Don't ever be protesting the military. If you don't believe in the war, it's not the soldiers' fault. It's not the sailors' fault. It's not the Marines' fault. It's other people who made those decisions, and, and we just go and we fight for our country, and we do what our leaders tell us. But I love America. I thank God for America. I, I, I know that we have freedom in America, but I want us not to just have freedom in America. I want us to have spiritual freedom. The Bible talks a lot about freedom. 
But it also says in John 8, 34 that everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Put that on the screen. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Now, if I would have started before putting this verse of Scripture on the screen and said, how many of y'all would love to be a slave to something other than God? Nobody in here wants to be a slave. We have, slavery is a negative connotation, and it should be. And the Bible says that everyone who sins is the slave of sin. Slavery is about bondage. Slavery is about being forced to do something you don't want to do for somebody you don't want to do it for. And the scripture says that if you are sinning, you make yourself a slave. One translation says a servant of sin. And I don't believe there's anybody in here who would say, oh, I want to sign up for that. I just love to be a slave to sin. I just want to put the shackles of sin on me. I want sin to drag me around by my neck and beat me and destroy me and tie me up and chain me up and wear me out. That's not what we want, but that's where we are. Mm, We don't want to agree with that. That's not what we want, but that's where we are. We have made ourselves to become slaves of sin by the sin that we willingly do. Now, if we went row by row, if I started with Deacon Jimmy, went all the way to the back to Deacon Keon, and I said, all right, let's just be real, let's just be honest, and, you know, that takes out 98% of the people in the room. I don't know why church people struggle so hard to be honest. Listen, stop pretending you got it all together. We're all, we're all a mess. We all have issues. We're all a work in progress. Stop pretending that you're better than everybody else. But if we went around the room and I said, what is the sin that you willingly choose to do? You think in a room full of great, wonderful, amazing Christian men and women that we'd come up with some stuff? Anybody? Yes. Yes. We would come up with every level. we come up with the same stuff they come up in a rehab clinic. You got people in here who ain't made it to rehab yet. People that made it to rehab and relapsed. Listen, we are making ourselves slaves to something that we don't want to be slaves to. It was England's desire to keep the colonies bound to them through harsh laws, laws that prevented them from happiness and freedom. And I'm convinced that in the very same way sin holds people in bondage today and prevents us from happiness and freedom. Because a real Christian, you may willingly sin, but it bothers you. You know it's wrong. You know you need to do better. You know you need to break free from that. And today we need to make some declarations on some things that we need to break free because there are people in this room who are doing things they wish they could stop doing. If we went around the room, we'd find every measure of it. And listen, churches harp on drinking and smoking. Drinking and smoking and cussing and whoremongering is no worse than not reading your Bible. Because the Bible commands you to read it. So you want to point a finger, oh, I heard so-and-so still bound by cigarettes. Pray for them. Well, you're just gossiping. And your gossip, their cigarettes are no worse than your gossip. That's not to say the cigarettes or the gossip are any good. It's all sin and it's all bondage. Nobody wants to be bound to stuff that they're bound to. If they could do better, they would do better, but you got to know more to do better. you got to have the answers to pass the test. And too many times, too many of us are failing the test. Too many times, too many of us are allowing ourselves to be enslaved to sin. There are people that would love to stop, 
doing things, smoking, drinking, lusting, overeating. Sin has people bound. The Bible talks about traps and snares that we as Christians stumble and fall into. See, as Christians, you ought to stumble into sin, not dive into sin. That's the difference between Christians and lost people. If you just dive headfirst into it, oh, I can't wait to go to the party and get turned. Listen, if all you're thinking about is getting turned, you ain't saved. Lost people dive into sin. Christians stumble into sin. But we find it. Snares, traps, transgressions, the Bible talks about. But when you stay in that trap, when you continue in that sin, it goes from sin, it goes from a trap to a stronghold. And when it becomes a stronghold, you cannot break it. No one in this room can break a stronghold except God. When repetitive sin continues to happen in your life, addictions, habits, things that become consistent in your life, that is what the Bible calls a stronghold. And you can try all you want to, but that stronghold is going to hold you. That's why the Bible calls it a stronghold. That stronghold is going to hold you because we are weak, but he is strong. So we got to learn how to break free from stuff. I told you America's a free country, but it's a free country of people who, lit, who are bound by slavery. The people in this room that wish that they could control their temper, they wish they could break their bad habits, they, they wish they could be more faithful in their walk with God, but they are bound to sin. And we have become slaves in a free country. Here's the reality, though. God can set you free from anything that has you bound. We could go around the room we could talk about sins, strongholds, people have them, willful sins, people have them. But we could also talk about things God has delivered us from. And we've got testimonies for that, too. God can deliver you from anything. You have to believe that, and you have to want to be delivered. I, I was talking to Joyce last night at the fellowship, and we were talking about the reality of recovery that no one gets better until they want to. You can force your spouse into rehab. It won't work for them if they don't want to be there. You can, for, you can put yourself into rehab, but if you're reluctant to go, it's not going to fix you because people only get help when they want it. Jesus, People say, well, if somebody can heal today, why don't they just go to the hospital and heal everybody? Well, if they have the spiritual gift of healing given to them by Jesus, Jesus didn't go to hospitals and heal everybody. You can, Jesus helped people that wanted to be helped. Jesus helped people that asked for help. And you have to ask for help from your struggle. You have to ask for help from your bond. People don't want to admit they're bound. That's, that's the problem with people. It's just crazy. When I ran the labor pool downtown on the corner of Maine and Beaver, we put to work over 200 crack addicts every day, homeless crack addicts. Show up, we go get them, drag them out of the mission, promising them some, some coffee and some donuts, bring them in, put them to work, daily work, day, daily pay, I got to know a lot of homeless people. That's how I ended up doing homeless ministry in Jacksonville. That's what was my springboard into starting Mission Jacksonville years ago. And I got to know a lot of these people. And the majority of them could tell you stories about houses they used to have, cars, master plumbers, master electricians. Why are they downtown homeless? Addiction. And, and you could say, and a lot of experts say, that over 90% of people who are homeless are homeless by desire. They're homeless because they want to be homeless. There's some truth in there and there's some non-truth in there. They don't really want to be homeless, but they don't want to change what they're doing. 
That's why every year on the four days a year that it gets really cold in Jacksonville, they go around and they, they beg homeless people to come inside and get out of the weather. And you know what they tell these people riding around saying, come on, let me take you to the shelter? Ain't nobody telling me when to go to sleep. They don't want to be told what to do. They'd rather sleep in the cold than be told what to do. They'd rather stay doing what they're doing because that's what they've gotten comfortable with. So my question to you today is how comfortable are you in your sin? How comfortable are you in that thing that has a lockdown on you? You got a chain on you. The devil's got a chain on your neck. You're a slave to sin, and the stronghold is on you. But the question is, do you want to be free? Because until you want to be free, all the preaching in the world is not going to change you. Until you want to be free, all the counseling in the world is not going to fix you. All the therapy in the world is not going to help you until you draw a line in the sand and say enough is enough and I've had too much and I don't want to be this way anymore and I'm ready to do better. That's the only time and the only way that anybody can get fixed. The only way for us to be free really is to walk in the freedom that Jesus talks about in the Bible. Jesus said in our text, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The truth will make you free. Okay, we talk a lot about how to understand the Bible at Abundant Life. We're a Bible church. Anybody ask you, what kind of church is Abundant Life? Baptist, Charismatic, Pentecostal, Bible church. If it's in the Bible, we believe in it. People talk about, well, do you believe in this, that, and the other thing? Everything that's in the Bible, we believe. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's still raising the dead. God's still doing miracles. Everything that's ever been done in the Bible is still being done today. But we, we've got to get to a point where we understand what the Scripture says and apply it. So in trying to understand the Scripture, I've been teaching you all principles for years. One principle that we need to walk in when we study the Scripture is the principle of inference. When Jesus said the truth will make you free, he's inferring something. He's implying something to people when he says the truth will make you free. What's he implying? That they're not free. That's why they said, how are you calling us slaves? We're children of Abraham. We've never been slaves. And he said, yeah, you're slaves right now. You're slaves to sin. So when Jesus said the truth will make you free, you need to understand Saved, Holy Ghost filled as you are, Christian as you are, great prayer warrior, I'm an intercessor, all those fancy things you want to talk about, you prophet, prophetess, all those labels you want to give yourself, there's bondage in the life of everybody not named Jesus. So we need to know the truth and we need to be made free. You need to have a heart's cry that says, God, please help me. You need to have a heart's cry that says, I want to change from what's deficient in me so I can be the person that God created me to be. But I, I see the text. He says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Well, we know the truth. But, but I see a problem here. I, I've talked to you guys before about disconnects. When I read the Bible, I know every word in the Bible is true, but it's not always true in me. You can't be that honest. I know every word in the Bible is true, but it's not always true in me. The, the scripture says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Well, I know the truth, 
But there's areas in my life that I still need to break free from. So there, there's a disconnect somewhere. Something's not clicking. Something's not right. Something doesn't fit. The word is right, but it's not right in us. And if the word is saying something and it's not in us, then somebody's got to change. Either the word's got to change or we got to change. How many of y'all believe it's we got to change? The word will not change. We have to change. Jesus said that not one comma, not one period will ever go away from This word will last forever. Jesus said everything else will pass away, but the word will last forever. God said he's exalted his word above his name. The word is perfect and infallible. The Bible is not going to change, so the change has to be us. You should know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So how is it that people that know the truth are still bound, still living life on a lower level than God has for them? And, and I believe I've got the answer for you because John 8, 32, Jesus said, you know the truth and the truth will make you free. We quote that verse and we believe God for freedom that we don't walk in. We quote that verse and we talk about being free when we still have areas of bondage. We quote that verse and we believe God for freedom. But the problem is verse 32 is just an extension of verse 31. And this is the problem when preachers take you to a text. They start in John, then they go to Hosea, then they go to Malachi, then they jump over to Genesis and Revelation and Daniel and Ezekiel. When they go all around the place, they're trying to make the Bible say what they want it to say. See, there's two, there's, there's two ways that you can read the Bible. You, you can read the Bible in exegesis or eisegesis. Exegesis is to pull out of it what it says. Eisegesis is to make it say what you want it to say. You can take the Bible and make it say almost anything. You can, I've heard people say that the Bible is for slavery, and that's why they chose Islam. The Bible is not for slavery. The Bible is for freedom. I've heard people say that the Bible promotes, the Bible doesn't promote slavery. The Bible records that there were slaves. And there have been slaves of every type of people throughout the beginning. But you can take the Bible and try to prove anything you want it to prove. I can take the Bible and prove to you that we all ought to throw away all the clothes we got on right now. Because the Bible says in Leviticus that you should not wear any clothing of a multi-blended fabric. And most people got some type of multi-blend on right now. I, 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 could, I could take the Bible and prove to you every man in this room that's not bald-headed needs to change his haircut. Because the Bible says you shouldn't round your hair, but it should be square going back. Could you imagine how people would look? With just, I mean, it's, there's so many things that I could take the Bible and prove we should kill all our children. The Bible says if your child raises his voice to you, you should take them outside the city limits and stone them unto death. Hmm. That's why you don't trust anybody who bounces around and takes a little piece of this and a little piece of that to try to make their point. You got to read the Bible in context. You got to read the Bible as it was written to whom it was written and understand what it's saying. Verse 32 is 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 going after verse 31. Verse 31 is building to verse 32 and in verse 31 the scripture says then Jesus said to those Jews who believed on him. Okay? So what type of people what what type of Jewish people is he talking to? People who what? Believe on him. These are Christians. Jesus is talking to Christians. When you read the Bible, you need to figure out who it's talking to. And if it's talking to Christians, you know it applies to you, even as it applied to them. He's talking to people who believe on him, and he said, If you continue my word, then are you my disciples indeed. 
I've been telling you for years to look for the words if and then in the Bible. If and then, predicate a promise. If and then, bring forth a promise from God. God says, if you will do this, then something will happen for you. And God says, if you do this, if you what? If you continue in my word, then something will happen to you. You'll be a disciple for real. Now, this says that you got to do something to be a disciple for real. Let's talk about inference. If you got to do something to be a disciple for real, then that implies that there are some people that are what? Not disciples for real. There are people in this room that are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. They have, listen, the root word of disciple is discipline. If you don't have any discipline in your Christianity, you're not a disciple. You're saved, but you need to become a disciple. Jesus didn't say go out and, and make new converts. He said go out and make disciples. That's people who dis- live a disciplined life and following God. He said if you do this, then something's going to happen for you. You will be a disciple indeed. Notice the punctuation after the word indeed. It's not a period. It's not a question mark. It's not an exclamation point. It's a semicolon. There's more. Just because that's the end of this verse doesn't mean it's the end of what he's saying. That wasn't his final statement. He said, if you do these things, then you'll be my disciples indeed. And then in verse 32, he says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Verse 32, he said, and ye, or in our language, and you. Who's he talking to? He's talking to believers, but he's talking to believers who did the if and then. If you didn't do the if and then, you're not in verse 32. If you didn't do the if and then, then you can't have what verse 32 promises. So if you're not walking in verse 31, don't be shocked when claiming and declaring verse 32 doesn't work for you. People quote verse 32. I've never heard anybody quote verse 31, but I've heard lots of people quote verse 32. Verse 32 is on people's lips, but you can't have verse 32 if you don't have verse 31. Oh, I'm free. I know the truth, and the truth has made me free. Really? Let's rifle through your purse and see what's really going on. Let, let, let's go to your computer and look at the history. Let's look at the cash in your computer and see what's really going on. It was incredible when, when Charisma Magazine came to Bishop to, to do an article on him. The guy walks in, Stephen Strang, the editor of Charisma Magazine, walks in and he says, Hello, nice to meet you. Before we get started, would you mind if I sat at your computer and went through your history files. I don't do interviews with people until I look through their computer. You say, well, that's, that's pretty presumptuous on his part. He said that it saves him time because over half the preachers he goes to talk to, within three minutes of looking at their computer, he realizes, I can't talk about you in my magazine. But I promise you, they know verse 32. They know verse 32. When, 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 when statistics tell us that 85% of the men in America are bound by pornography, Christians in that group, they know verse 32. Oh, the truth will make me free. Really? When over 50% of pastors in America are bound by pornography, we know verse 32. But what about verse 31? There's a problem with people trying to quote verse 32. There's a problem with people trying to, to be talking about freedom when they don't make the qualifier. Verse 31 is a qualifier, a prereq, and if and then. And you can't get the promises of verse 32 until you meet the requirements 
of verse 31. I want to be free in every area of my life. You say, Pastor, aren't you already free in every area of your life? I got issues just like you do. I'm a work in progress just like you. I'm a human being. God doesn't call robots. That's why it's so funny to me when I hear somebody say, I'm leaving that church. That pastor, that, that pastor ain't, uh, he ain't what he, what, what he said he was. Well, what did he say he was? Did he ever tell you he was perfect? Did he ever tell you to worship him? Did he ever tell you he was anything more than a man? we got to realize that we all have issues. If you can't admit that about yourself, you can't get help. If you, can't, if you think, well, I'm better, at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so, you, if that's your mindset, A, you're probably not saved to begin with. Because the Holy Ghost, the Bible says, comes to convict us of sin, judgment, and righteousness. If you're not convicted about your own sin, but you can point at somebody else's sin, you're probably not saved, then you need to get Holy Ghost salvation. But if you're really saved, and you had the Holy Spirit living inside you, there's some conviction going on. There's some, well, you're right, Pastor, there are some things that I need to do. I don't care what, what, what your resume looks like. That's resume to y'all non-speak. Your, your resume, E, your pedigree, all, all you have ever done, all, all you've ever accomplished for Christ, all the titles you've ever held for Christ didn't make you perfect. And we all have areas that we need to get free in. I want everybody to be free, not just the freedom that we have in America, not just the freedom that America provides us to worship God, but the freedom that God provides us to walk with him. We can worship him, but can you walk with him? Now, before you get to answering that question, remember that the God that we're talking about said two can't walk together unless they be agreed. You can't walk with God unless you're in agreement with God. You can't walk with God living contrary to his standard. So when you say, oh, yeah, Pastor, I believe I can walk with God, I'm going to tell you most people can't. He's called us to walk with him, but most of us can't walk with him because of the contrary nature of our sin. Most people can't walk with him because we got chains and shackles of bondage on us. We made ourselves slaves to sin, and we can't keep up with his pace. And we're not walking in agreement with him, which causes us to not be able to walk with him at all. Now, I believe most of us already fit into this passage. Jesus was talking to people who believe in him. So we're part the way there. But the question is, will you do the prerequisite? Will you do the qualifying clause? The qualifying clause is to continue in his word. Will you do what has to be done so you can get what God wants to give you? When I hear people making all these quotes about how blessed and highly favored they are, always above, never beneath, head not to tail, they're just so, so special and great in God, so happy in God, I wonder, what, what are you covering up for? What are you hoping I don't see? What, what, are you try, what are you trying to act like you got that you really don't have? Why can't you just admit, I, I'm, I'm just a human being, and I, 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 I'm in my process. And every day I'm asking God to mold me and shape me. God, God, wants, God wants to change us. I told you the story before. I'll tell you again about the, the young sculptor who went to the museum. And he wanted to be a great sculptor out of marble. And he saw a marble sculpt, uh, a, 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 a horse in the museum made out of marble. 
and he was, it was just amazing. And it had m- rippling muscles through the hindquarters and this big, giant, just perfectly looking, lifelike looking statue of this horse. And he, he saw the, the, the nameplate on it and the face of the man who did it. And he looked, and the man, the man was sitting right there in front of his sculpture. Oh, man. And the young sculptor asked him, he said, did you create that? He said, yes, I did. And he said, how in the world did you ever make a hunk of rock look just like that horse? And the old man thought for a minute, and he scratched his head. He said, well, I just took my hammer and my chisel, and I knocked everything off that rock that didn't look like a horse. And that's what I ended up with. I want you to know today, God wants to take the hammer and the chisel and knock everything off of me and off of you that does not look like Jesus Christ so we'll look like something he wants to look at. People say, oh, pastor, I want to be all that God wants me to be. You really want to line up for this hammer and this chisel? Because that hurts. You say, pastor, I want God to shape me and mold me, conform me transform me, renew me. Really? Because there's sandpaper involved in that. Go ahead. Just lay down and say, God, have your way. Okay, well, there's, there's surgery involved in that. The Bible is, 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 is sharper than any two-edged. It's a scalpel that cuts right down to the heart of the matter. So, so you want to be all that God wants you to be? That's you laying down surrendered to being cut on to being cut out, to being knocked on with a hammer and a chisel, break everything off you that doesn't look like him, and then some 20-grit sandpaper right across your face so he can sand down all the rough edges on our lives to where we look like Jesus. So the question is, are you ready for the hammer and the chisel? The question is, are you willing to be cut on? The question is, are you willing to let God do surgery on your life? And most people's real answer would be, I'm good. I'm going to do me. You know, that change is nice to talk about, but, you know, you're talking about being cut on, that ain't me. If you're not willing to let God do surgery on you, then you're going to carry that sin in your life forever. And you're not going to have it broken off of you. We got to get to the place of breakthrough we've got to get to the place where we do this prerequisite where we continue in his word that word continue in the greek means to stay close to the thing you're in front of see some people only come so close to god but they won't stay close to god some people will come this far to god but they won't give up this and that some people will yield certain things to god but hold back other things That's not continuing. You can't get close. Some people want to be third-row Christians. Some people want to be back-row Christians. Some people want to be, I I don't want God to look at me too much, so I I, I just stay in the background. Listen, the Bible says if you want real freedom, you got to stay real close. So are you willing to stay close to Him? See, here's the deal when you stay close to God. You can't do those things in front of Him. That you're doing behind his back. See, you think you're doing it behind his back. I'm just talking in human terms. Obviously, he sees everything. But if we really understood that he sees everything, your computer screen would look different. Your checkbook would look different. Your tithes would look different. Your giving would look different. Your living would look different. Your serving would look different. And your outlook would be different. 
got to understand that he sees everything. He's there. He's always present. Why do you think you can do something behind? Listen, fooling me ain't nothing. Fooling the church leaders ain't nothing. Pretending to be something that you're not, that, that, that doesn't matter to, to, to God. He knows. He knows. I told you, he is the living God. He is the fulfillment of that Santa Claus song. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. God sees everything. I, I've, had, I've had men in the church talk to me about having cell phones their wives don't know about. God knows about it. I've had, I've had women in the church who are doing things behind their family's back and thinking nobody knows. God knows. We need to be concerned with what God knows about us more than we're concerned with what people think about us. we got to get to real freedom, but the key to freedom is continuing. It's the same thing that God said in Hebrews eleven six. You got to believe that he is, and, and you got to believe that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Here's the problem with some, most, most Christians, most churchgoers. They come to church for a little while because they know they need to get better. They love God, and they want to be who God wants them to be. And they come to church for a little while until their toes get stepped on too many times. Or try to get tired of getting up on Sunday morning, and, and then they say, well, I tried it and it didn't work for me. That's not continuing. Here's the problem with most people's prayer life. You pray for something for a little while, and then when it doesn't work, you say, well, I tried praying and it didn't work. That's not continuing. God says you have to continue to get to the place of freedom. I'm going to give you three ways to get free real quick. Look at verse 31. Jesus said in Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. We're going to let the scripture speak for itself. We're going to take from the scripture exactly what the scripture says. Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, the first point to getting free, the first key to real freedom is you have to believe in Jesus. If you want to get the promise of this scripture, you have to believe in Jesus. Now, everybody would say, oh, I believe in Jesus. Anybody who doesn't believe in Jesus is an idiot. He's the most documented human being on the planet. More books have been written about him than anybody else. Our time schedule is set up on Jesus. Our date is 2017 based on the year of our Lord. Now, they've changed that. they changed that. Jake was reading something the other day, and we talked about uh, this, these, these new acronyms they've got out there. It's no longer B.C., before Christ. Now they've changed the books to say B.C.E., before the common era. Well, they can change it however they want to. When did the common era start? Jesus started it. Everything before that was before Jesus. Everything after that has been after Jesus. Our whole world is set up on the fact that Jesus is a real person. I'm not asking you, do you believe that Jesus is a real person? I'm saying, do you believe in Jesus for your everything? Do you believe he is what he says he is and he has what he says he has? Because he says he's the king. But are you serving him? He says he's the Lord, but are you bowing to him? He says he's God, but are you worshiping him? You got to believe that he is what he says he is. The, the verse 31 goes on to say that if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. You, you, if you continue in my word, you got to do something here. If, you're if, I tell you, if you do the if, God will do the then. 
the if is on us, the then is on him. If you continue in my word. If who continues? People who believe in Jesus. So when Jesus is talking to believers and he tells them, if you continue in my word, he's realizing that some will and some what? Some won't. Some believers will continue in his word and some won't. Just because you're saved don't mean you're going to continue in God's word. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you're ever going to be a real disciple. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you're ever going to have freedom. you got to do the if to get to the then. The second key to real freedom is being a real disciple. you got to be a disciple indeed. you got to be a disciple for real. A disciple is someone who lives a disciplined life following the teachings of Jesus Christ. How disciplined are you in your Christianity? When I ask people, well, how, 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 how you been doing in your Bible study? Head goes down. You ain't got to look at the floor. Look at me. How you doing in your Bible study? Well, not as good as I, I, answer I get nine times out of ten, not as good as I should be. Well, what does that mean? That means you're not reading your Bible. And I say, not as good as I should be. Well, okay, how many days out of seven are you reading the Bible? Well, uh, probably not as many as I should. How many days are you reading the Bible out of seven? It's not rocket science. I didn't give you a trigonometry question. How many days a week are you reading the Bible? And you know most people lie up, right? Pastor, you think they lie to you? Yeah, of course they do. They don't want to say none. So they say, well, probably two, three, maybe four. Listen. How many days a week you drinking something? How many days a week you brushing your teeth? How many times you have a bowel movement do you wipe yourself? I mean, let's be real about it. I hear people say, well, Pastor, I, I've been busy this week. I didn't have time to read the Bible. Really? When you brushed your teeth, did you have time to rinse your mouth, spit it out, or, or did you just go to work with toothpaste all over here? No, you made time to wash your mouth out. When you had a bowel movement, did you just say, oh, I just got to go? Drawers will just have to catch it. You made time to do what you value. When, when you got up in the morning and your kidneys were screaming at you and your bladder was pressing on you, did you make time to urinate or did you just say, I ain't got time today. I, I just got to go. Pee on myself on the ride in because I didn't have time. No. You got time to do what you want to do. You got time to do what you value doing. You got time to do what you believe is important. And if you're only reading the word two, three, four, five days a week, you are malnourished as a Christian. Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. You got to get your daily bread. You got to get some of this every day. You want to, you, to be a real disciple, you have to continue in his word. You can't be a hit-and-miss guy. If you're a hit-and-miss guy, you will never have freedom. If you're a hit-and-miss girl, just accept the fact, well, I'm always going to be deficient, never going to be a good Christian. And if you're okay with that, I question your salvation. Because every true child of God wants to please the Father. You can't please the Father until you're a real disciple. Look at verse 32 for the third truth. In verse 32, Jesus said, and you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Third key to having real freedom, you got to know the truth. 
you got to know the truth. Now, if I was to ask a group of Christians, what is the truth? Some people could say Jesus. Jesus said that he was the truth. Some people would say that it's the word because Jesus in John 17, 17 told God to sanctify his followers by truth. And he said, your word is truth. Okay, this book is truth. Jesus is the word. And this word is true. And you got to know what this book says. The, the word know here, we've talked about this word. Many times we see the word know in the New Testament is the Greek word genosko, which means an intimate knowledge that comes through close contact and being intertwined with. It's the same, it comes from the Hebrew word in, in the Old Testament where the Bible says that Adam knew Eve and she bore a son. Okay, now there are children in the room, and there's adults who are shy. But when Adam knew Eve, it wasn't talking about he knew who she was. It wasn't talking about nothing going on in his mind. It was something going on somewhere else that caused the baby to pop out. The word know in this scriptural context is an intimate knowledge that comes from being closely intertwined and connected. See, that's why God made men one way and women another way. So when they know each other, they could be intimately close, intertwined, and connected. How close to the truth are you? How wrapped up in the truth are you? How just a hold of this thing are you? This, this is a deep Knowledge the scripture is talking about. Until you decide to get a deep knowledge of the Bible, until you decide to continue in the word, Jesus said was the qualifier, we have no hope for freedom. You just may as well go ahead and admit, I'm just being drunk forever then. I, I, I'm just going to be a whole monger forever. I'm just, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be alcoholic. I'm going to be a drunk. Whatever your issue is, you're going to be that forever until you make the effort to continue in God's word. Jesus said you have to continue in my word to be my real disciple. He said, he, he, and in verse 32, he tells them that you will know the truth. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the people who qualified in verse 31. The only people who can be made free from the truth are real disciples. The only way you can be a real disciple is if you continue in his word. So what we got to make, make a change from is change from being a Christian to being a disciple. Because a Christian comes just from asking God to save you. That don't take any work on our part. He did all the work on the cross. But to be a real disciple takes discipline. And we got to get to the place. If you want miracles, if you want Holy Ghost power, if you want supernatural living, if you want what the Bible promises that you can have, you got to get to the place of real discipleship. The truth will make you free. The scripture says his word is truth. Knowing him, knowing what the Bible says, living out his word continuously will make you free. Let me ask you this. Don't answer out loud, but how free are you? I hope that everybody in here is free from the fear of hell. If you're saved, you don't have to worry about hell. If you're not saved, ask God to save you, and he'll do it. Let me ask you this, though. Don't answer out loud. How free are you from repetitive sins? Those sins that hold you. Those things that you've become addicted to, those habits that you formed, those things that you do that you shouldn't do. The scripture says that it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. People look at the anointing as some magic dust. I, I throw anointing 
on people. The anointing is not magic dust. In the highest order, the anointing is a person, Jesus Christ, the anointed one. He's, he's the Messiah. Uh, but in, in this context, anointing, I've told you before, you can't be anointed unless you rub up against God. Because to anoint means to smear something on someone who's rubbed up against you. That's what it means to anoint. That's why when I anoint people with oil, I, I put the oil on my hand and I, rub, I smear it on their head. I rub it on them and they leave a different way. They leave with something on them that they didn't have before they came. When you rub up against God, you got it's like if you rubbed up against the side of my face right now, guess what you'd get? You come away wet. Your face ain't wet right now. Mine is. You rub up against my face, you, I will anoint you with this sweat right here. And you will walk away smelling like me. Now, you don't need that. That ain't worth having. But we need to get so close to God. We need to sit shoulder to shoulder with God. We need to put arm around God and let God put his arms around us so we come away smelling like him. Now, if you've been in church long enough, you, you hugged Hattie Mae. Miss Hattie Mae, bless her heart, she loves the Lord, but she don't know how to wear perfume. Listen, y'all. You're done. You, if, 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 you know, Miss Hattie Mae is like, And when you hug her, you're going to smell like that $1.99 general dollar perfume she just sprayed off. You're going to leave. Oh, Miss Hattie May stink. But guess what Hattie May just did to you? She anointed you. You rubbed up against her and you walked away smelling like her. If you don't smoke cigarettes, go rub up against somebody that smokes cigarettes. You're going to walk away saying, oh, man, that, that was a strong smell. If you don't smoke weed, rub up against somebody that smokes weed. We had weed so strong in here the other, the, a couple weeks ago, we had people moving seats. Somebody said, Pastor, what do you think about I'm glad. I want, I want people to smoke weed to come to church. They need to get delivered from that and realize that Jesus is better than marijuana. But if you rub up against them, let them go ahead and, and, boy, these kids today, man, it ain't, it ain't like just rolling a fatty and, and, and smoking a joint today. They, I mean, it ain't like bong, hitting a bong. It, these kids got, got these machines. Now they put hoodies on, hoods that zip. They, they, they just blow the whole thing. They fill the whole room up with smoke. They, they, they sit inside that hoodie for about eight seconds before they unzip it coughing. Uh, rub up against that dude. You know what you're going to be? Anointed. You're going to be anointed with what he had to offer you. Now, I don't want that. I don't want Miss Hattie, mate. I wouldn't rub up against me if I wasn't stuck to me. But the anointing I want is from God. You can't get anointed by God staying away from him. You can't get anointed by God running from him. 
You can't get anointed by God any other way than pressing your face to his face. You got to get his hand on you. You got to get the touch of God on your life. You got to hug up on God so long until you walk away smelling like him. There needs to be a fragrance on the believer. There needs to be an aura on the believer. When you've been around greatness, even in the natural, you leave with a different look on your face. You don't believe me? Go to Disney World, walk in that room where they let little kids stand next to Winnie the Pooh and get a hug and a picture. Those kids, they hug Winnie the Pooh, and they think it's the greatest thing in the world. I'm worried. Who is that dude who likes all these little children hugging up on him like that? Different story for a different time. But the looks on their faces when they leave. Those little girls see Cinderella. And the looks on their faces when they leave. That's greatness to them. If you hang out with God and you see God in the spirit realm, if you see something of God in the spirit realm, if you get something out of this word and it gets on you, when you go to work, people ought to say, there's something different about you. Something's going on in your life. I smell it. I sense it. I I can't put my finger on it, but it's something. If you don't have God's stink on you, you ain't anointed. You got to have the fragrance of God on you to be anointed. The anointing breaks the yoke. That ain't some I declare and I decree no more weed for me. I declare and I decree I ain't going to be a drunk today. That ain't none of that. That's not what the anointing The anointing is not wrapped up in declaration and decree. The anointing is wrapped up in how long are you willing to hold on to God? You hold on to anybody close enough, long enough, you walk away being like them. You smell like them. You hang out with them long enough, you start talking like them. My kids know who I'm talking to when I answer the phone based on what I say. Because I say different things to different people when they call me. And they know that that you hang around people, you pick up things that you become like them. When are you going to hang out close enough to God to where you get real anointing on you so when you walk into the world that you fragrance the room, that you're really salt. Salt is there to flavor the room. Light is there to shine brightness in the room. We're supposed to be salt and light. But if you don't have anointing, there's no breaking the yoke for you. And anointing doesn't come by speaking it into existence. Anointing doesn't come by declaration. Anointing comes by getting close enough to God and, 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 and letting him smear his fragrance on you. Some of y'all remember granddaddy. Some, some of y'all, listen, my grandfather was a farmer, lived on a dirt patch in Louisiana, broke as Cooter Brown, picking cotton. Old dude. At the end of his life, they finally built a house. He lived in a shack his whole life. They finally built a house with plumbing. Shack didn't have plumbing. Finally built a house with, now this is right outside Monroe, Louisiana. Listen, Monroe, Louisiana is uptown to where my grandparents live, okay? As you drive in 30 minutes to the city, they're out in the middle of nothing but cotton patch. 
My grandfather wouldn't use the bathroom in the house. He thought that was the most disgusting invention in the world. He's like, how am I going to do my business in there and sleep in there at the same time? So he still walked down to the barn to do his business. He didn't bathe on a regular basis because what was the need? He was on a tractor 18, 16, 18 hours a day. And so I can remember my grandfather and what he smelled like. He smelled like King Edward tobacco, old man, tractor. But I loved him. And I didn't mind hugging him. But I knew when I hugged him what I was going to be smelling. You got to get that close to God. Or all this talk about freedom is just talk. Because the freedom only comes from verse 31. Qualify, get you qualified to walk in verse 32. And you, who? The people who believe in Jesus. The people who are real disciples. Those are the only ones that can know the truth. He said, and you, only the verse 31 people. This verse is not for every Christian in the world. What the Bible says, that I'm free in Christ. Where does it say that? It says he will make a certain group of people free. The certain group of people that he promised to make free are people who believe in Jesus and who continue in his word. So, yeah, we believe in Jesus, but do you continue in his word? If you don't continue in his word, you're not a real disciple. If you're not a real disciple, you don't fit. You're not the ye. The ye is a certain group that can know the truth, and the truth will make them free. I feel like Patrick Henry, though. He said, give me freedom or give me death. I don't want to live as a substandard Christian my whole life. I don't want to live as a slave to sin my whole life. I don't want to live as this continuing process and project for God. I want to get victory in areas of my life that God promises freedom in. And you should too. I want to live a life that God purposed me to live. But to do that, I have to, you have to. We all have to break free from what's holding us back. I told you, you can't come to God's table with dirty hands. Mama wouldn't let you come to her table with dirty hands. How's God going to let you come to his table with dirty hands? God wants us to be free. But we got some work to do. We got to get ourselves in a position. God wants us to have a good life. God wants us to break free from what's holding us back. The founders of this country wrote the Declaration of Independence to tell the oppressors that they had had enough and would no longer be bound to their rules. I wonder today, have you had enough of the thing that's oppressing you? Have you had enough of your own bondage? Have you had enough? See, for some people, it's in the mind, struggling, nervous, always upset, don't know what's going on in the world. So, some, some people, it's the habit. Some people, it's an addiction. Some people, it's the words that they say, the thoughts that they think, the way they treat others, the way they feel about themselves. You got to get to the place where you realize, I'm ready to get off that and be a real disciple. Because when you become a real disciple, then you can get free. You can get the freedom that Jesus is talking about. And then you will know the power of God. Because you'll have the presence of God on your life if you continue in his word. Here's the punchline. 
I'm issuing a declaration of independence today, and you should join me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross so we could have victory. I believe that the only power to flesh hell and the devil have over our life is the power that we give. So based on God's word, I declare that I'll be free of strongholds, things that have hindered me from God's fullest expression of his will for my life, and I want you to make your own declaration. See, here's what the Scripture says. The Bible says that the devil is a defeated enemy. Why are we always fighting a defeated enemy? Pastor, the devil's been on me this week. The devil's defeated. How are you fighting a defeated enemy? How are you letting a defeated enemy take victory over you? Jesus defeated the devil at the cross. Jesus put everything under his feet at the cross. How are you being beat up by a devil who's already been beat down? Because we're not walking in the victory that Jesus provides for us. Because we won't be real disciples. We won't be disciples indeed. We won't continue in his word long enough to get the breakthrough that we need. See, because here's the reality. When you hang out with God, stuff starts falling off. I talk to so many people, especially young people, about salvation. And, and, and they ask me, well, what am I going to do with all my friends? If I get saved, what am I going to do with all my friends? Listen, you get saved for real, you ain't going to have to worry about what, you, what to do with your friends. They're going to leave you like you got a rash. They're going to leave you like you got the HIVO. That's H-I-V-O. They're going to live. Well, I don't know if I can give up my drinking. I've been drinking my whole life. You get around God long enough, you get in this word deep enough, that'll fall off you. I remember my mom, she first got saved. My mom was a three-pack-a-day smoker. Marlboro in the red box, three packs a day from the time she was built up to that from the time she was 12 years old smoking on the farm. She got saved, she's smoking away. I mean, just chain smoking. I mean, you got you to bump off the last one to the next one to get three packs a day down. That, that's doing work. She was doing work on cigarettes. And she just chain smoking her way through life. Doctors had told her, if, if you don't quit, you've already got early signs of emphysema. If you don't quit now, you're going to be dead in a few years. She said, well, I'll die with a cigarette in my mouth doing what I want to do. Just stubborn like that. She got saved. She didn't stop smoking. She kept smoking. People told her, you need to quit smoking. You need to let them cigarettes go. The Bible says don't let anything control you but God. Them cigarettes are controlling you in your life. Some of y'all music controls you. Some of y'all sex controls you. Whatever it is that ain't God, God don't have, want it for your life. My mom's like, whatever. You got your sins. I got mine. Leave me and my cigarettes alone. Nobody could say anything to her to make her get rid of them. But here's what happened to my mom. She started reading her Bible every day. And she started reading it more and more and more. And she started putting in hours reading the Bible and learning Scripture. And falling in love with God. She started writing poetry to God. She started reading the Bible and learning it and getting from it. And one day she's sitting in her bed reading the Bible, just smoking away. And she wasn't paying attention to flicking her ashes. And a long stream of ash fell on her Bible. And she said, I just looked at it and I thought, they don't belong together. 
I got to get rid of one of these. And it ain't going to be my Bible. And she never smoked another cigarette again. She didn't have gum. She didn't have a patch. She didn't have a program. She went off three packs a day to Jesus. When I got saved, I had a trunk full of liquor in my car. I had the most expensive pornography collection anybody could imagine from Russia. Back in the 70s, Russia was just out there. But anyway, I fell in love with God. I saw no need for that stuff anymore. I threw it out. I threw it away. I shouldn't have littered. I took a briefcase. I was at the Ortega Yacht and Country Club dock. Standing there, praying to God, looking at the moon. When I realized I got a trunk full of garbage in my trunk. And I walked over and I took that big giant briefcase full of garbage. And I hurled it out into the Ortega River. I hope somebody didn't find it. But anyway, the moral is, the more I hung out with God, the less desire I had for other things. See, this is how it works. Continue in God, and you become a real disciple. And when you become a real disciple, then you can have freedom. Some of y'all wondered why you never get free from your sin, why you never get freedom that other people talk about having. You've never crossed over from Christian to disciple. But I want to ask you today to consider breaking free from your bondage, declaring your own independence, You don't need these things. We need Jesus. You don't need these things that you think make you happy that later make you feel guilty. You got to get rid of something. Christianity is simple. All you got to do is ask God to save you and he'll save you. And then all you got to do is do a little bit more of the right stuff and a little bit less of the wrong stuff and a little bit more of the right stuff and a little bit less of the wrong stuff. And every day just walk a little bit closer to God, and one day you'll look around and you'll be walking with him, talking with him, and he will be right on your hip. That's real Christianity. That's what God has for us. But you got to make a declaration of independence. you got to break free from the stronghold that's holding you back. And I can't do it for you, and I can't preach it out of you. I can't lay hands on you and drive it out of you because you can't get help till you, till you want help. And you don't need people to assist you. You need God. Whatever it is that's holding you back today, I want you to declare freedom over it. Some of you are bound by sin. You need salvation. Some of you are bound by strongholds. You need deliverance. Some of you are bound by bad habits. You just need discipline. Get close to God. Continue in his word. Because if you don't, you will never have the freedom that verse 32 talks about. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit and motivate us to be in your book. God, I pray that you would give us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Let us desire the things you want for us more than the things we want for ourselves. God, I pray that you would break forth your children from bondage, from strongholds, from lack of discipline. God, I pray that you would cause us to do more of the right stuff and less of the wrong stuff. 
We want to honor you, God. You are our freedom maker. We are free from the fear of hell only because of your son's sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for salvation, God. I pray that you would heal us. I pray that you would deliver us. I pray that you would break us free from every bondage. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.